Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. God is my shepherd, I shall not want. God makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. God restores my soul. God leads me in paths of righteousness for the sake of God's name. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff that comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of, the, of God my whole life long. May God is blessing to the reading of his holy word. Amen. Twenty-third Psalm is very familiar to all of us. Probably, it's one of those scriptures that most of us know by heart. Uh, as a minister, I've been a minister uh, and a counselor for forty-five years, and I've participated in a variety of weddings and funerals. And I would say to you, probably more than any other scripture, the twenty-third Psalm is one that people request for a funeral. Uh, because in the words of the 23rd Psalm, I think all of us find comfort and uh, a measure of God's caring for us in the midst of our uh, pain. Now, it's a little bit ironic that I would choose to uh, speak. I'm, I'm going to, uh, we're going to look at some other scriptures also, um, because my topic today is a focus on using the 23rd Psalm and other scriptures to talk about wor worrying, okay, worrying. Uh, how many of you are worriers? Huh? Oh, hey, you're honest with me, okay. Well, I'm a big worry. My family calls me the worry wart. Um, I worry about everything, and if I don't have something to worry about, I'll invent it. Um, <laughs> you know, just ask Nancy. Um, but, you know, I come by it honestly. My father was a worry wart. Uh, I think it runs in the Bruce side of the family, so uh, I didn't invent it for myself. It's just uh, who I am. Uh, and I worry about all sorts of things. I worry about, I try to be self-reflective, uh, introspective about myself. Um, and uh, when I am that way, there's some things I start worrying about about myself, about uh, my attitude, uh, about uh, things I'm doing or not doing. Um, so I worry a lot about myself. I worry about my family. I have, uh, Nancy and I have three grown daughters. Um, and uh, I, as a counselor, I know boundaries. I try to maintain boundaries, but with my family, it's very hard to do because my daughters don't always agree with me uh, about the way they lead their lives. And I, I, I think it would be just real simple if they would just do what I thought was best. <laughs> you, you know how much that's going to happen or not happen. 
you know. But I worry about them uh, for a variety of issues. Um, I worry about our country, in particular in this uh, election, uh, where the election, honestly, if you look at it, it's very clear we're a very divided nation, about 50-50. And uh, so it's created a big dilemma and lots, lots of consternation for all of us. Uh, and believe it or not, I worry about my clients a lot. Uh, people that I work with in between times, I'm looking for books, material, uh, thinking about what I need to do with them next. Um, you know, I worry about them. Um, and I worry that, that uh, the problems that they're facing and dealing with, um, I have a bad reputation. Um, some of my, I, I tend to go outside the box of being a counselor for people and you've been a part of that at times when I've had a situation where someone has needed financial help, you have helped me get it for them. And that's a little bit outside the box, but I don't care. Uh, if there's a need, then we, we try to meet that need. So in a variety of ways, I worry a lot. I'm, you know, I'm, what's the phrase, calling the kettle black? Uh, if there's anybody that can say something about worrying, it's me, because I do it, uh, you know. Uh, and uh, so I hope maybe if you worry a lot, you will gain something from my thoughts today. So we're going to focus upon this issue of worrying. I went through uh, several books looking for material and some uh, concordances. Um, I found over... Uh, 20, around 20 references in a concordance to worry, uh, and uh, about 20, a little bit more than 20 in the Old Testament, and about uh, the same number in the New Testament. And this morning as I came early, and I was looking at another concordance I had in my office here, and uh, my goodness, there were, there were more than, it looked like, I didn't count them, but more than 40 references about worrying. It's a big topic in the Bible. Uh, God talks about it a lot. Now, if I'd had more time, I would have given you the list so you could take it home and look up some of these. And I, I didn't have time to do that, or I didn't take time to do that. But I'm going to go through just real quickly uh, the references, and you, if you can jot them down. If you don't want to jot them down, uh, Later, if you, if you get, want to look up some of them, it, they would be very helpful because one of the experiences I had in sermon preparation for this sermon was I found myself being comforted a great deal uh, by these scriptures as I, as I read them to myself. Genesis, the 15th chapter. Genesis, the 26th chapter. Exodus, the 14th chapter. Uh, Deuteronomy, the whole book of Deuteronomy has a lot to say about worrying and our relationship with God. Joshua, the first chapter. Kings, the sixth chapter. Chronicles, the 28th chapter, the 20th verse. Uh, and then a whole list of Psalms, the 23rd Psalm, the 27th Psalm, the 46th Psalm, the 56th Psalm, the 62nd Psalm, the 118th Psalm. Proverbs 29. Isaiah 41, Hebrews 13, Deuteronomy 31, Psalm 118. 
And then in the New Testament, I found another group of scriptures that all deal at some point with the issue of worrying and our relationship with God. Matthew 6, John 14, Romans 8, Philippians 4, Galatians 3.15, Timothy 1.7, Hebrews 13, 1 Peter 3, 1 Peter 5, 5th chapter, Exodus 16, Numbers 14, Numbers, uh, Numbers 14 again, Mark uh, the 4th chapter, 38 through 40th verses, Numbers the 14th chapter, 1 Samuel the 8th chapter, 1 Samuel the 12th chapter, Isaiah 30, Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, Mark 4, Luke 10. So I found a whole host of scriptures that deal with this issue of the worrying we do as humans in our relationship with God. And I think that what I discovered in that was that throughout all of these scriptures, in one way or another, God is asking us and encouraging us uh, as his people, as Christians, to choose to believe in him and to trust in him, even though maybe there's some ways that we have a right to worry, but that we to put our worry aside and we relate to uh, God in a way for his comfort and caring. In Exodus, the uh, 14th chapter, the Israelite people are trapped between Pharaoh's army and the Red Sea. And they are panicky, worried, what's going to happen to them? And we find these words, 14th chapter, 11th and 12th verses, people questioning Moses. At first, before this, uh, sort of giving Moses a hard time about why he would lead them in this direction. And hear these words, his response to them. Do not be afraid. Stand tall and, and see the uh, deliverance the Lord will bring today. And from Deuteronomy, the 31st chapter, these words, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before, for the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you he will neither fail you nor abandon you. And then in the New Testament, Matthew, the 10th chapter, Jesus says these words. Jesus tells his listeners not to worry, but to focus on God's priority and trust God to provide what they need. And in verse 34, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's troubles is enough for today. There are a variety of scriptures, and we could focus on a whole bunch of different scriptures. And they all tend to focus on God encouraging us to draw closer to him and to, to use our relationship with him not only to be comforted, but then for God to give us direction. As I thought about that, I, I, uh, 
you know, I really am the kettle calling it black because uh, if anyone ought to know how to turn to God, it's, it's me. I'm a clergy, and I tell my wife, uh, you know, you're the one that ought to be the minister uh, rather than me, and I'm serious about that because, uh, we, as many of you know, she's battled cancer for the last year and a half, and uh, her attitude is, is uh, much more positive about it than mine has been. Um, and so I, I, I've learned a lot from her in that. And we live in a country right now that, it, that our citizenship is deeply divided um, to the point that it's almost like what is getting spoken are the two extremes at either end of the spectrum. Uh, and we're divided pretty much 50-50. And our demeanor with each other is not always uh, good, is it? Sometimes it's hostile, sometimes it's mean, sometimes it's name-calling, uh, which means that we really are not listening to each other to gain any new insight. And I would speculate that every family in this church, uh, that if, we, if I knew enough about your family, your family is split politically. Uh, my family is split politically. Um, you know, I represent, I have my own opinions. Some of my family have very different opinions. And frankly, I'm scared to talk about it with them because I think it would lead to some hurt feelings on both of our parts. Every school, I think if we did a poll at, at the public school, we would find the Roy City Schools among children are split 50-50. And our community is, is deeply split. And what saddens me is that we seem to be able to come together in the midst of a humongous tragedy, don't we? 9-11, Oklahoma City, other kinds of tragedies that we can come together um, as a nation and support each other and respond in some way. And then we kind of drift apart and we get back to what I call the same old, same old, and that is our arguments and disunity. And I worry about that. The other day, uh, I get a lot of, uh, being a counselor, I get a lot of brochures inviting me to go for some training at a variety of locations. Some of them expensive, some of them not so expensive. And I, I'm going to share with you this one because I got it yesterday. And uh, it was very interesting. I don't want to listen. It's the title of the conference is a whole day workshop entitled Mastering 16 Key Habits of Emotionally Resilient People. Mastering 16 Key Habits of Emotionally Resilient People. Now, personally, it, this is real cheap. I would pay big bucks for that. You know, I would like to be that kind of person, wouldn't you? I mean, that's the reason people come to see me thinking I've got the answer. They learn, they soon learn that it's not quite that way, <laughs> that I don't always have the answer for them. But listen to the topics considered. Confronting rather than avoiding fears. Rewards, substitution. Acting quickly to prevent emotional uproar. Reframing anxieties, overcoming anger, overcoming sadness, 
reducing cravings, generating positive emotions, practicing positive psychology through self-aware emotions, listening mindfully. Boy, we all need that one. Speaking mindfully. Acceptance when change is unlikely. Energizing habits. Improving sleep. It's a long list. It's very interesting to me. But something's missing from that. So what do you think is missing? Huh? Right. There's no mention of uh, prayer or a religious faith or uh, any, any word about talking about spirituality. Uh, yeah, that's what's missing. And I think that we as Christians in particular, that is a resource for us, isn't it? That we, if we, in some of the material I was reading and uh, thinking about worrying and talking about the 23rd Psalm, it had a very simple suggestion to go back and read some of the scriptures that deal with fear, that deal with uh, worrying, that, that deal with the negative emotions that we come and see what happens. And basically the author was talking about what will happen if you do that. It tends to draw you away from your negativity and draw you towards your relationship with God in a supportive way. I've been a counselor a long time. I've worked in mostly secular settings um, and, but, and been a minister. You know, the nice thing about the Methodist Church, we have a, a whole category called appointments beyond the local church. I never really intended to be a local minister. I intended to work in Methodist children's homes. And so I've been a counselor a long time. In secular settings, they will tell you that they admonish you to be very careful to not deal with religious issues. Uh, I've ignored that um, all these years. <laughs> and uh, not gotten I've gotten fired a few times for that, but I've never gotten in trouble for it, okay? And I'm okay with that because I think it's an important category that this workshop missed looking at one's spirituality, and I've always worked in Texas in the Bible Belt. I used to supervise social workers, and we would be talking about their caseload, and I would say, well, why don't you deal with their um, spiritual life because that it sounds like they have some concerns about that and that that's a part of what's going on. I said, oh, no, 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 no. We were taught in graduate school not to do that. And they're right, they were, but they're missing the boat. Uh, because it's important that we help each other uh, learn how to use our faith experiences to deal with our doubt and our worries. So I sat down and I tried to come up with some real simple mantras, and here's four of them for you about Christian responsibility. One, love one another. Right now, it's hard for us to love each other like we should, because we get into these political dogfights uh, and we quit listening to each other, and so uh, it becomes really messy. 
love one another. The commandment says, love God with all your heart. But the commandment says after that, love your neighbor as yourself. That's important. We need to do that. The second, treat each other with respect. Okay? Now, I will be real honest with you. I don't always do that. And some of you that are on Facebook with me, you know I don't do that. And, and uh, I, you're right. I don't, I'm not always respectful uh, because something gets put on there that I feel like I have to respond to. And I'm trying not to do that. Treat each other with respect. The third one, listen to each other. Listen for understanding. If you're listening to argue with someone, that's the wrong motivation. It's important to listen to another person to know where they're coming from, pure and simple. And in that, you may never agree, but you will learn more about that person. Right now, I have only one or two people uh, that, I can't, that disagree with me politically. And one is a good friend in Colorado. And not because of me, he brought it up. Uh, we've had by telephone discussions about our politics. And he's the only person that feels as strong on the other side as I do on my side. But we listen to each other. And the reason we do it, we value the friendship, that the friendship's more important than the argument. We need to listen for understanding to each other because it's the only way we will get things together and, and grow as a country. And finally, the fourth one, love, show love to others as we have shown, been shown love by God. Think about your own relationship with God and the times that you have sinned or the times that you have done something crazy and you know that God has forgiven you. And yet God still seeks a relationship with you even as messy or stupid as you are, you know, God continues to come after you. And that's what these scriptures are all about, about worry. They're talking about the different ways that God is seeking relationships with each of us. I sat down too, and, and I would encourage you just to, for the fun of it to do it. Sit down by yourself and make a list of Christian heroes, people that have contributed to your faith journey, okay? People that have nurtured your faith. I started out, the first memory I have is age four. My dad was pastor at White Deer uh, United Methodist Church, White Deer, Texas, up near Amarillo, cold country. And there's a lady when I was four, she found out, I don't, know how, I don't remember her name, but I remember what she did. She kept bringing me uh, Jello because she learned that I loved red Jello, and that was her way of loving me, caring for me. And there's some others in there, and I remember specifically Nancy and I share this. The person that George Zoller, that was was uh, principal of the high school we went to. Now I was scared of him. He and my dad were good friends, and uh, he came to a 60th. Uh, or yeah, 60th wedding anniversary of mother and dad, all the way from Perryton down here. And he pulled me aside. He said, said my, they all know me as Danny. said, Danny uh, said, uh, don't you, uh, 
why don't you, why don't you call me George? And I said, no, Mr. Zoller, you don't understand. It will always be Mr. Zoller, out of respect and a little bit of fear. But that man made a difference. He was a Methodist, very active in the Methodist church. He and my dad were very close friends. But I knew, not all of the situations, but I knew the many, many times George went the extra mile. And someone finished high school because of him stepping out of his role and doing something to make it happen. He was that kind of person. And then I think of being a PK. I know a lot of uh, preachers, Methodist preachers in the Texas Panhandle because that's where I grew up. So there's a whole host of them that were part of my faith journey. One, Cheryl and I share, Ted Dots, who died a couple of years ago. Wonderful man, preached the first funeral that we had for my father. Uh, but there's a whole host of, of ministers that I've, I've never thanked them the way I ought to, but they've been a part of my faith journey. So I want to share with you two or three scriptures, and then we'll close, that maybe you can turn to when you feel yourself worried or feel yourself angry with someone or angry with some situation. From uh, Psalms, the 62nd Psalm, let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. O oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. And from Isaiah, these words, the 26th chapter, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. He humbles the proud and brings down the arrogant city. He brings it down to the dust. The poor and oppressed trample it underfoot and the needy walk all over it. And from Matthew, the 10th chapter, 29th verse, these words, What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin, but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You're most valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Someone put together a little ditty about called Why Trust God, and I'll end with this. He never fails. He never leaves us. He never disappoints us. He loves us unconditionally. He's the creation of all things. He transforms us from the inside out. He forgives our sins. He knows everything. He rules the future. He is all-powerful. He is every. He is everywhere. He is good. He is great. He is. So, my friends, when you get to worrying about things, turn to Scripture. Turn to read one of the many times in the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament, 
where God reaches out to whoever he's dealing with. And in that, I guarantee you, you will find comfort. May we pray. Oh God, we thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for your presence among us, and we thank you that we are able to develop a relationship with you, not only corporately together, but individually as Christians. So help us be open to reaching out to you so that we might be comforted in the midst of our worry and sorrow, so that we might gain guidance from our relationship with you about the paths that our life should take so that we might not only be comforted, but we might really truly become your servant to people who need to hear the good news. Amen.